Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. I'm your host, Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a wisdom sharing platform for all people impacted by an eating disorder. Recovery Warriors provides resources and support to heal your relationship to food, body, mind, and soul. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it is worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today, we are going to be talking about building better body image. Now, this episode is part of a series of lessons that I created for past students of mine. And, you know, they just kind of been sitting there because the program's over. And so instead of having them collect dust, I'm bringing these lessons out of our education vault to share with you now to help you strengthen your recovery. Now, the last lesson in this series was released just before the new year and was called Five Ways to Deal with Diet Talk. It can be a challenge to deal with diet talk any time of year. Right now in particular, it's even worse with all the new year, new you, diet industry, propaganda, BS spreading around. It is like wildfire. So just because everybody else is burning up to get on a diet doesn't mean that you have to. So check out that episode once you're done listening to this lesson for some extra wisdom. The link is dropped down there below in your episode notes. And before we get into today's lesson, I want to let you know about the free gift we made for you called the Daily Growth Habit. It's our private library of audio affirmations that are designed to help you nurture new ways of being and thinking in recovery. And we have one specific to body image in there. Now, I put a lot of love into these affirmations. Words of affirmation is one of my love languages. So I am speaking love to you through these affirmations. And ultimately, they're designed for you to access that love within you, to access that compassionate, caring voice that is going to support you along the way. And so they're really designed for you to take them in and also say them to yourself. And in doing this, you can help nurture new ways of being and thinking in your recovery. To get access, go to recoverywarriors.com habit. We'll be adding in new affirmations every month at the new moon and the full moon. So get in now and you'll keep getting more affirmations to keep you motivated as you continue to walk the path of recovery. Request your free invite at recoverywarriors.com habit. Already, my warrior friend, let's talk body image. It's one of those things that feels so much easier said than done when you're living with an eating disorder and battling your body day in and day out, often for extended periods of time. Diet culture can make you feel like there's something wrong with your body, that you're not good enough as is, and that your appearance equates to your worth as a human being. This can create a feeling of intense shame, once again, a feeling that you're not good enough as you are or that there's something inherently wrong or flawed about you. Now, this eats away at the core. How do you even begin to dismantle all of this? Let's hear what registered dietitian and author of Body Kindness, Rebecca Scritchfield, suggests. You you might hear other people saying, 
be kind to yourself, you know, mm -hmm. just love yourself. Like you might hear these body positive messages, but it's not easy to be like, oh yeah, just jump in a field of daisies and just love yourself. <laughs> it is, it is, it is not, you know, it's not something that you should fake your way through. You really need to be authentic and how you build, um, body kindness and, and respect for yourself. So what I would, in this scenario where, where I would say the ambivalence is, is that some part of you, whether it's I'm listening to this conversation right now, or I, you know, I'm reading body kindness, or I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to my friends who are saying that, um, you know, I should accept my body something got you to where you're at right now and at least has you thinking that this is the next best thing but there's also probably something else that's having you say no way you know no I can't um, and that would be ambivalence reasons to work on acceptance and reasons not to work on acceptance mm -hmm. and what I'm trying to get at that is that ambivalence is a normal part of the change process so ambivalence happens right before you take action in the direction you want to go. So what I often tell people is, you know, we're humans, we're very complex creatures and we feel multiple and competing emotions at the same time. So you can very literally say, well, on the one hand, you know, I want to practice self-acceptance because I think I'll feel more free. You know, life will feel better. You know, I'll, um, you know, um, I, you know, I feel my bones, it's the way to go. But on the other hand, it feels scary. I don't know what's going to happen if I let go of these behaviors. What if, um, you know, things get worse and I lose friends or I'm not lovable or, you know, there, it, there's a lot of what ifs, you know, fear that keeps you holding on to the reasons not to change. And so my message would be, you're not alone. Lots of people um, have difficulty with this situation that you're probably going through ambivalence, which is also normal, right? And then the next thing to do is take one action, right? This is not snap your fingers and everything's fixed. But what is one action that I could take that feels like self-care, that is in line with a direction that I think is good for me. You just heard from Rebecca Scritchfield, author of Body Kindness. She called to light that it's normal to have ambivalence. It's not about expecting to love yourself straight away. It's a process and a practice. One that is deeply rooted in acceptance. Rosie Molinari, author of Beautiful You, A Daily Guide to Radical Self-Acceptance, offers up two great mindset practices to increase your self-acceptance. Let's hear from her right now. And so I like to think of self-acceptance as really rooted in recognizing that we are worthy and enough simply because we exist. Um, I want everyone to understand that they have worth and power and dignity simply as their birthright. Um, there's nothing you have to do um, to earn your worth or prove your worth. You are worthy um, simply because you exist. And so then um, what, what it is theoretically is a deep embrace of your humanity, 
without any stipulations, just as you, you know, we're so good at recognizing and honoring the humanity of others. And it's just a mirror back to ourselves in that same practice. And so concretely what that means is that self-acceptance is your decision not to have an adversarial relationship with yourself. So you aren't going to fight yourself. I think that so often um, we really use being our own adversary as a growth tool. Um, and it's out actually really counterproductive. Um, we really engage in a whole lot of self-criticism thinking, well, that'll motivate me. But that self-criticism is really defeating um, and it can't motivate you because the criticism becomes what you believe and you can't break out of it if you continue to believe it. And so really what you have to do is, is get to a place of more neutrality with yourself, which is, I, I think for a lot of people, and it's not easy, but it's an easier place to sort of think about and embrace than going like, oh my gosh, I have to love myself, um, which, I mean, self-love is awesome, but um, I understand that words are hard, and, and so my hope is that self-acceptance is a really accessible concept to begin to embrace, and so then I think that what you do, I mean, the fundamental piece is that you're not bad or ruined or um, imperfect at any moment. Um, there's just nothing fundamentally right, wrong with you. And so when you decide that you're not going to have an adversarial relationship with yourself, I think the very first step, so you make that decision, you say, I'm going to have a different relationship with myself. And then I think the very first step is changing the conversation in your head, which is hard. And so what I advise folks is to, when that racket starts, to just stop, to observe it and stop and say... I have decided to have a different relationship with myself. If I could say start self-acceptance with these two mindset practices, the first would be you're not going to have an adversarial relationship with yourself, which means that every time that loop plays, you stop and say, I have decided to have a different relationship with myself. And then you support that by reminding yourself that there is no imperfect, that we're each meant for our own unique expression and your journey is just about finding what's the most authentic, wholehearted expression for you at this moment. There were some great nuggets of wisdom in there that are worth repeating. Criticism is what you come to believe. And you can't break out of it if you continue to believe it. In other words, you can't criticize yourself into a version of yourself you can love and accept. And another key point is to decide to commit that you want to have a different relationship with yourself. And when negative body image comes up, to say, I decided to have a different relationship with myself. Your journey, in fact, is about finding what's the most authentic, wholehearted expression for you at this moment. Now, we've been deeply conditioned to think that our bodies are objects that need fixing. There's the conscious part, which we might be aware of, but there's also a deep subconscious belief that has been embedded from a very young age that our worth comes from our appearance and having a certain body size, weight, or shape. And part of the awareness is bringing this to consciousness. 
because until we bring something to consciousness, we consider it a controlling factor in our fate. And the reality is we can't control the thoughts and feelings that arise. Rebecca Scritchfield, author of Body Kindness, has more to say about this. You know, we can't control our thoughts and feelings, but we do control our response. So if we can acknowledge that we're having those feelings to feel the feels, but also, you know, no matter what you look like, you know, the, 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 the hatred that you have for your body is coming from a place of pain mm-hmm. and it's not rational. Your body is worthy no matter what it looks like. If you're, if you're deep in an eating disorder, your body is worthy. You know, um, if, if you are at the beginning of rejecting dieting, your body is worthy. It's an unconditional worthiness. You might think and feel something, but you cannot control thoughts and feelings. You control your response. So our response is within our control. Between a stimulus, whether that is a triggering event or a triggering thought, and our response, there is a gap. There is a space. And it's in that space that lies our freedom and our power to choose our response. And in this response that we choose lies our growth and our ultimate happiness. The next time you catch yourself in the negative self-talk loop, Diane Bondi, leader of the Yoga for All movement, has a great technique you can use as a response. Um, I watch my internal dialogue for one, and then I say to myself, what would I say to five-year-old Diane? But I say to five-year-old Diane what I'm saying to 47-year-old Diane. And I would say that, and I would be like, no, you know. You know, if there were a five-year-old standing in front of me, would I be talking to her in the way that I'm talking to myself? And why is it okay for me to talk to myself that way, but not for me to talk to somebody else that way? And that's kind of, for me, my course correction. So when I go off on these tangents, which is very rare, um, and they get rare and rare, because I used to be steeped in them before, um, I just ask myself, would I, would I talk to my kids that way? Would I say that to my youngest son? Would I say that to five-year-old Diane? Would I say that to anybody else? And I wouldn't. And then I stop. And I think that's my course correction. Um, when I was on retreat last week, we went up this uh, Blue Hole Falls, which is in Jamaica. It's like Duns River Falls, but not as commercial. And I didn't have my glasses on. And I said to the guide, um, I, I'm going to need your help here. I'm not wearing my glasses. And I tend to be a little bit on the clumsy side. And he was like, oh, do not call yourself clumsy. You're beautiful. And he went on and on and on. I was like, okay, dude, you know, settle down. I'm still going to tip you at the end of this thing. Like just everybody, just everybody relaxed. I said, I don't think of um, calling myself clumsy as a disparaging remark. Like I can't see. I'm going to step somewhere and fall down. That's the reality of it. So I like to be honest and take the sting out of words that um, have been previously perceived as a slight. Like I refer to myself as fat because I am, but I don't think, I don't see fat as a negative thing. It's just a descriptor. Like I have blue hair. I haven't had blue hair right now. Blue hair don't care, right? It's, it's the same exact thing, right? I, I, I don't, I know not everybody's there yet, but I don't care. And when, when someone, a troll comes to me and says, damn, you got a fat ass, they go, that's right. It's not good. 
right? And I just change the whole dialogue. I, I just, I look for, you know, is it true? It might be true, but it's all in the way I react to it. I can let it pull me down or I can go, oh, you know, it's true. It doesn't make me less of a person. It doesn't make me less smart. It doesn't make me less whatever. And I'm just, okay, thanks, move on. And I also live in the idea that other people's opinions of me, good or bad, just none of my business. So I just have to keep trucking forward. Other people's opinions of us are none of our business. When we're in somebody else's business, meaning we're trying to control their perception of us, wanting them to see us in a certain way or not see us in a certain way, it means we're not in our own business. Much of our stress comes from mentally living out of our own business. So the next time you're feeling stress or discomfort, ask yourself, Who, whose business am I in mentally? And you may just start laughing, being like, I'm trying to control how this person sees me. Just to notice that you're in someone else's business can bring you back to your own wonderful self. And speaking about self, let's use the self with a capital S. We are more than just our bodies. Carolyn Costin, author of Eight Keys to Recovery from an Eating Disorder, has some beautiful things to say about this. We're not just um, bodies walking around who happen to have a soul, that we're soulful beings who happen to have a body. And I think it affects, it affect, certainly affected me, and I, and I think it affects clients when they realize that there is a reason sort of beyond this limited awareness of an individual self and just the ego, chattering ego mind. And when you start to get a sense of that, it helps you deal with so many things. It helps you deal with um, what are my thoughts and feelings? Um, how do I deal with thoughts and feelings? How do I see and appreciate my body? So spirituality is the sense that there is a, a life force. And, you know, some people might, call it God or whatever, but it doesn't matter what you call it. There's something else. There's a life force that connects um, the world, that connects things, connects us all. And not just us all, but everything that exists in the world. And what's cool about that is science has shown us now, and this is what I think is so great, is that you and me and this chair and my cell phone and my dog and the tree, we're all made out of the same thing. Same thing. We are all connected by this sort of invisible life force. I think that's a very spiritual concept. And it leads us then to this concept of soul, which is there's my individual self, my, my ego, and then there's this other part of me that I call soul. So the way I explain it to clients is the ego is the part of me that says, um, um, it's, it's all involved with personality, with thoughts, with emotions like, I'm Carolyn, I'm a therapist, um, uh, and, and maybe with our clients, I'm thin or I'm fat or uh, I make money or I am angry, all those things. It's what separates us from other people and other things. I, me, mine. Mm -hmm. And our soul self is more like instead of I am this or I am that, it's really just I am. It's sort of the being. It's sort of the essence part. It's the part that is where ego means your separate self. I would say your soul is the part of you that connects you to other people and to the world. 
Now, let me give you one other example that I use. You may have heard this somewhere. I wrote about it a long time ago, but this idea when, when, when clients are like, well, I don't understand that or I don't think I have a soul, I ask um, someone, especially if I'm doing a group, it's kind of fun, but I've done this before where I had a person lay down. I said, okay, I need a volunteer. Lay down on the ground and pretend like you're dead, okay? Like, just pretend like you're dead, okay? Then I ask everybody, okay, if she, like, let's say it was you, Jessica. I said, if Jessica died right now, what would be gone? What's still in the room and what's gone? And I have them divide the paper. You're going to like this. I have them divide the paper in half, and I have them write down on the left side of the paper what is still in the room, and on the right side of the paper what is gone. So, of course, the clients are writing all the stuff, you know, on the left side of the paper, what's still in the room? Well, hair, skin, flesh, body, you know. And on the right side, it's essence or spirit or soul or energy. And then it even gets better because then I say, okay, it, look at your paper now and ask yourself if Jessica really died. That would be sad, but if she did, what would we miss the most? What would we want to have with us? What would we want, we want to be connected to? And nobody says they want the flesh, the hair, the skin. Everyone says her essence, her spirit, her soul. And then I say, okay, how much time are you spending obsessing over, worrying about all the stuff on the left side of the paper? And how much time have you spent on this other area and then they get it and then I go that's just that's what I call soul that's what I call this essence this connection your essence your spirit your soul this is what makes you uniquely you so who are you at your core now our body our body is the wrapper it's the earth suit the true gift and value we have as we walk through life is not our clothing size or our physical form. It's the energy and love we radiate and receive. When we start shifting our purpose away from having a better body to being our best selves, then we start to see the eating disorder begin to lose its power. Because in the end, my warrior friend, we won't be remembered for the absence of dimples on our thighs or our booty but we will be remembered for how people felt in our presence. So who is the most authentic, wholehearted expression of you there is? When you choose love over fear, you are capable of fulfilling your deepest heartfelt desires in whatever clothing size you wear. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion like the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this warrior. Warrior.